Welcome to episode 46 of The Photo Show. This episode is sponsored by the School of Visual Arts MFA in Photo, Video, and Related Media, which is chaired by Charles Traub. Yeah, and uh, we are recording this, Kai, on Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all the uh, mothers out there. Yes, I. Uh, this is one of the rare years. I, I trained my mother to not expect anything on Mother's Day because it's a corporate uh, holiday. That's right. And... Uh, and so, but this year I wound up sending her two presents, so she was quite surprised and shocked. See, that's what you do if you like. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but one of them is something you could still send to your mother. It's not too late. Uh, if you go to thomasroma.com, I sent her the special edition of Plato's Dogs. Ooh, which very was, nice. Uh, yeah, she was very excited to get that. Wow, a plug. <laughs> yeah, why not? It's a, I mean, it's amazing. You get the, the book, which is incredible anyways, but you get... A limited edition signed by Giancarlo, Tom, and the dog. Tina. That's right. And you get a, an original print, uh, four and a half, four by six or four and a half by six, like original print. So, yeah. anyways, and, yeah. and they really uh, are limited editions because there are different covers. Um, yeah, it's a special yeah. edition, a different cover, and you know, there's only 125 out there that uh, are, are ready to go. So anyway, so uh, yeah, Mother's Day. Uh, you know, another thing I wanted to mention is we we mentioned on our April Fool's show that Lee Friedlander and Giancarlo T. Roma would be speaking at the New York Public Library. And that was real. And that is real. And that is still happening. Um, uh, I think you can still get tickets for that. I'm sure they're yeah, selling they're out still, fast. Yeah, I think they're still available. Yeah, June 20th at 7 p.m. at the uh, Celeste Bartos Forum at the New York Public Library. It's called Passion Projects, and it really is uh, maybe once-in-a-lifetime event to see Lee Friedlander speak uh, in public about his work. Yeah, let's, let's uh, be interesting to see what um, Giancarlo gets out of him, you know, what kind of little treasures come out. Right. Uh, la the last talk we saw at APAD was amazing, but partially because uh, uh, Maria was there, like yeah. cranking it out. Yeah, yeah. Maria Friedlander uh, stole that show, that, for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we're in this interesting period for all you uh, students and photo educators out there. This is the lull between one <laughs> semester ending and the summer semester starting up. So uh, I'm sure, Michael, you're in the same situation I am, where it sort of slows down, but you're prepping for everything that's going to come over the next 12 weeks, right? Yeah. The the funny thing about the end of a semester is you you're on this pretty intense schedule, going from class to class and meeting to meeting and you know committee to committee for the for 15 weeks. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're not sure what you're doing. Right? Yeah. It's like, all right, I have to shift gears now and, and get into production mode on, on making prints or, uh, you know, doing other things. Uh, and then, you know, I know for you and I, Kai, we have um, just a kind of a brief window uh, when our next, you know, summer thing starts. And, and for me, I'm, I'm teaching just just on Mondays, a, a six hour course. Uh, but you're you're involved in a a much more intense thing. Yeah, literally. Yeah, that's the title. The summer photography intensive at Columbia starts up uh, next Monday, and uh, six weeks of basically five days a week. It's a it's a real like all day long five days a week intense class. So. But it's good, you know, it's still the nice thing, of course, is that the weather is changing and uh, makes you want to get outside even more and photograph. Uh, I thought it was going to be overcast today, but it was beautiful here in, in Brooklyn. And uh, I went out uh, on a long walk and uh, finished a roll of film. And uh, afterwards in the afternoon, I came back home. And even though it's still beautiful out, I processed 10 rolls of film, which was nice. Mm. And then it was still beautiful around four o'clock or five, no, maybe 530. So I ran back out. 
and I had one of those frustrating things happen where I grabbed a roll of film that was just sort of sitting around in my refrigerator and I didn't look closely. It turned out to be a 24 exposure roll. I have no <laughs> idea. And I have no idea how I had that. But really? sure enough, just as like things were getting interesting in the spot I was at, I hit the end of that roll and I was like, what is it? I'm not only, I'm only like frame 25. What the hell's my own? <laughs> so for all you digital photographers out there, that's where you would go back and erase some of the bad pictures and have more room. But no, I, you'd pop in another card. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, well, I only brought one card with me. So, yeah, and it only had 24 pixel moments on it. So that's right. Done. Well, this episode's guest is Michelle Leftheris. And Michelle, um, for those of you who, who don't know, works at the School of Visual Arts as a special projects coordinator. And that also means she has been our liaison at the School of Visual Arts for the photo show. So whenever we record there, whenever we have a, a guest there, it, it's been Michelle who's taking care of that. And she's really been a, a great friend to the show. Um, and she's, um, she's moving on from the School of Visual Arts. And we're very sad to hear that, but we're very excited for her, her next adventure in... Um, the college that she's going to, which you're going to hear about very soon. <laughs> Vermont. <laughs> she's heading to Middlebury, Vermont. Yeah. But uh, uh, Michelle's one of those guests, uh, and we've had quite a few where they have this kind of uh, energy and excitement, and it's, and it's contagious. And I know in this episode, we, we end up doing a lot of laughing because we just had a, a great time speaking with her. And of course, she's, uh, you know, an artist and a faculty member. And um, again, you know, this special projects coordinator has been helping us. Yeah, we had a great conversation with her. And uh, I'm looking forward to listening to it again. But I can remember some of the stuff we went over. And uh, I think one of the lessons that I recall just from hearing her speak is how, how much she actively involved herself in you know many different projects at once and was thinking about academia as a way of not just uh you know not just something as part of a job but some way to like really get excited about what she was doing and about uh being an artist and uh, that really comes across and you know it's no surprise that she's going on and doing something even more successful yeah so enjoy the show everyone and we'll talk soon I know. Thank you for the goodie bags. Right? They're so yeah, good. Like they're I've nice. been just like hopped up on sugar for the last week. Hey, wait a minute. Did you not get a Swedish fish? I got wrappers. Somebody somebody ate my Milky Way midnight. Charlie. <laughs> He cherry picked. I got Because I was actually looking for of these. Of course, midnight were, Milky Ways yeah. would be his favorite. Yeah. You got to watch him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Are yeah. we recording? Yeah, are we, we live are. here on the recording? <laughs> yeah, the be but the best thing to do is to ask if we're recording while we're recording. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, you, you didn't exactly say start. Or that's I'm, I know. I know. That's part of your, uh, your that's technique. That's my thing. Your yeah. technique. 
sneaky. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, did you used to watch uh, reruns of WKRP in Cincinnati? And uh, get, hilarious. Like, yeah. Yes. And we still do. Uh, yeah. my, my partner boyfriend is a huge fan of WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wonder how many of our listeners have ever seen that show. But that uh, when I was true. a kid, I watched <laughs> yeah. it a lot. Oh, it's great. That, yeah, it was great, right? Lonnie Anderson. Lonnie yeah. Anderson. Yes. And of course, recording, just like we're doing today. They were yes. like, running out of the booth. They put different That's songs right. on and run out and have arguments. Throwing and, turkeys out of helicopters. Yes, we actually watched that on Thanksgiving. That we watch that like sort of annually on Thanksgiving because Hulu has a bunch of them on. It's one of the so. greatest moments in TV history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so are you from Cincinnati? I am or? not. I am okay. from I am from Ohio. Uh, okay. ah, close enough. Close yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. But I am from uh, northeastern Ohio, uh, Youngstown, which is Rust Belt territory. Right. So very different from Cincinnati. Cincinnati is like. Sophisticated. You know, south. No, oh. it's like southern. <laughs> yeah. yeah no. I don't know. No, uh, I would say uh, maybe Columbus is the most sophisticated of Ohio. I'm going to get in so much trouble. But yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, but I've lived in all three. So I would ah. say Columbus Columbus is maybe the most sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, but Youngstown, yeah, it's a, it's sort of similar to Detroit. That's uh, a, a nice comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's much smaller. Mm. And uh, yeah, Steel Town and um, very strange landscape. Were your parents like doing stuff in the industry or? Uh, No, my, I guess, let's see. So uh, technically I was born in Florida. Uh, Whoa, that's a big jump. Right. Uh, My parents were met, they grew up in Youngstown and then they moved to Florida and then had me. Uh, Where in Florida? Jacksonville. (laughs) Oh, okay. I've been there once, aside from being born there. I lived in Deltona. Okay. You would never know. Volusia County between Orlando and Del- and uh, okay. New Smyrna Beach. Okay. Yeah. My dad, actually, he moved back to Florida, so he lives in Clearwater now. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I would go there every summer as a mm. kid. Uh, but my mom went back to Ohio, went back to Youngstown. And uh, yeah, my, my dad's... Um, family are the left there aside, so they're Greek. And um, now, you know, we just had a we had a Greek slash Rust Belt connection on our last recording. What's the what's oh, going on? Yeah, Nico. Nico was here. Oh yeah, Kelly noticed. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, he was a student here. I know yeah. him. But yeah, we're we're Greek pals. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah. and he's in Scranton or yes, yes, exactly. yeah, he's in right. Yes, also so, Rust Belt. Uh, this is going to be our like you know Greek. We'll have to do like <laughs> a whole, the Greek like, should Greek. Rust Belt scene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Greek week on the photo show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> yeah, we'll get Patrice Helmar to come back <laughs> and right. do something too. Nice. Yeah. So um yeah. So they had family there. Family there, and, yeah, yeah, mostly. Nice and then yeah, I stayed there until I was eighteen and then mm-hmm. moved to Columbus to go to college. Um I went to Ohio State for a little bit and didn't like it and then ended mm-hmm. up at University of Cincinnati mm-hmm. after that. So were you thinking of the arts when you went there? Or are you just thinking, I need to go to college and get out of <laughs> uh probably a little both. I mean I was really interested in art. Um I don't like my dad has a lot of uh, he has some artistic inclinations and so does my mom in her own way. But neither one of them kind of identify as an artist, uh, but they're both really creative and have some uh, decent like hand skills, you know. Uh, so when I first went to OSU, I was uh, drawing and painting, actually. And then I had been given a camera when I was 12 by my step grandfather who hmm. gave me a canon a1 nice that i loved right it's a good camera right Very and nice, so yeah. so at a young age i was always just sort of like snapping pictures but i really didn't think about photography too much seriously like i really wanted to be a painter like drawing and painting a real artist a real artist yeah <laughs> and then i and then i sort of got into drawing and painting and realized that um this I was hard. No, probably more <laughs> I was attracted to like all things you know and I was yeah. really attracted to I just kept taking pictures and mm. um so it just kind of built from there where I eventually just moved over to be a photo 
Yeah, well, actually, that major. that point uh, will be uh, relevant later too yeah. when we come when we get to what you're doing these days. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Ooh, mystery, <laughs> mystery. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so then you you finished out your degree in Cincinnati, and I did. And I was uh, photo slash video. I started making some moving image work when I was there, mm. uh, but my senior project or thesis was photo based. Was there a, is there a f- faculty there that uh, yes. you were close to? I mean, yeah, and he, actually, he was video faculty, and I, he's still he's a wonderful guy. His name's Char- Charlie Woodman, and uh, mm. so Francesco Woodman's brother um he's there he's a video maker and he makes amazing videos and uh he was a wonderful teacher and i i I still like think very fondly of him he's great yeah i didn't know she had a brother i mean i guess i didn't pay attention (laughs) to but yeah interesting yeah yeah he i mean his work is 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 really pretty remarkable too he's definitely worth checking out Hmm. yeah so uh now you graduate and you're like ah graduated um yeah so when i was there i what was strange is i've always been a little like i mean you can tell by my work i'm not like a straight photo photo person never happened Mm -hmm. and so i was taking sculpture i was taking printmaking i was taking everything along with photo and so i was really interested in images as material so so that's like a pretty common theme for me um so when i left i actually i should mention this is sort of it's quaint now it's actually a quaint thing to mention is okay i got a job in a photo lab i like desperately wanted to work in one of those little kodak photo mats like the oh, photo yeah. hut oh yeah i didn't yeah. understand you I mean think like when the drive-through ones yes. yes like i in my mind yeah. as a child thought yeah. that was like the coolest job your own boss very strange yeah, yes. was, it, was that called photo mat is that one photo- there's a couple of them there's yeah. Like yeah. fox yeah. photo had them. Oh, okay. yeah. different yeah. chains had them yeah, yeah they're just like little, little yeah huts in a parking in a parking lot yeah my grandmother worked in one in texas in austin and we used to like drive up and like see her like even where we were in like in the neighborhood like hey how's it going or of course drop film off and the whole thing it's it's great and so i i guess at the time i guess i you know i obviously didn't know i didn't understand too much about photography i don't know if i thought like things were happening in that hut right (laughs) which nothing might be on yeah Yeah, just putting something in an envelope so (laughs) so i'd always sort of retained this like I don't know, this uh, idea that working at a photo lab was really cool. That was like a something you wanted to do. So uh, throughout undergrad, I worked as a waitress. I always had a job and uh, opportunity came up for me to work at a place. To break called, into the industry. Break in, like my big moment at a place called Cord Camera, which was in Columbus. And I think the last one has actually just gone out of business. I, I looked, but they were a photo chain. They, uh, I worked in the mini lab there. So printing pictures, which was like, like a big deal to me. And so yeah. that started, I worked in photo labs from that point. So from about 1999, 98, 99 to um, 2004, mm-hmm. I worked in photo labs. So I moved from Columbus. And then when I moved to Cincinnati, I was looking for a job and I, there was a, um, God, I'm blanking on the name of that lab, but it was a pro lab. And so I, upon getting into town and looking for a job, I wrote them a letter and I said, hey, because I eventually was like a manager of the mini lab or whatever. So I was right. like, hey, if you have someone who you need to do machine prints, like I'm, right. here got, I am. Got experience, yeah. So they hired me, but they hired me to apprentice with a retoucher um, with brushes. <laughs> like yes. this is not right. digital. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so and he was a giant like biker guy. Like Marshall's color oils yeah, exactly. and all those things. Exactly. Yeah. And he would, he would like, you know, air, like paint out like strands of hair from people's wedding photos. Oh, and wow. 
but he was huge, like a hulk of a man with mm. these tiny <laughs> little brushes. Like triple zeros. <laughs> yeah. So, so I worked with him and I kind of became like a, like a floating, you know, what I did, I did some machine printing there and I did a lot of retouching with him. Mm. Um, so that was a nice sort of blend. I liked it cause it was like using my hands. That's and, right. Um, what was exciting about that place is they also, uh, printed the police rolls for, cause that place was in, um, uh, Kentucky over the bridge so like over the river from Cincinnati is Kentucky so it was in Kentucky and is that the wrong side of the river <laughs> a little bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is some like weird yeah. it's a weird scene down there Covington Kentucky and uh yeah. well in Cincinnati there's no strip clubs in, what? in, in the city limits of <laughs> yeah. Cincinnati right yeah. they don't exist so everything is in Covington so it's like <laughs> nice. strip clubs That's discount nice. liquor discount right. tobacco oh, nice. and photo labs and, fo <laughs> and this photo lab that I don't know if it's still open i can't believe i can't remember the name i'm spacing on the name i feel bad but so i worked there um for about a year or so and uh and then i got a job at a place called norton uh photo and it was a lab and it's also now out of business sadly and there i started as a machine printer but then ended up as a darkroom printer so i worked printing custom prints uh black and white and color in the darkroom which was like to this day the best job i have ever had wow oh it was wonderful you just like <laughs> listen to music and just print stuff in a darkroom all day it was wonderful Nice. Yeah, I had a, a job at Authenticolor uh, up, um, where was that? Uh, Lexington in the 50s, I think. Yeah. It was a commercial lab. I think uh, a lot of the stuff I did was for Condé Nast magazine. Um, I, I think I printed, no, I know I printed the, um, the Annie Leibovitz cover of uh, Demi Moore Pregnant. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> and then I do all these like hair color photos for hair color boxes and yeah. things like that. And I think... I liked being in the darkroom too and alone and listening to, you know, Yankee games and the radio and everything else. And, but it was a, a, a night shift, a graveyard Ooh, shift. And okay. so <laughs> when I was supposed to be getting off at two in the morning, they'd come in with this whole stack of jobs for me and that killed me. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah I, I burned out it gets on a little weird. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> like two in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone I know who's ever worked at one of those mini lab drop-off places has stories about oh. like the pictures that they weren't supposed to oh see kind God. of thing, right? Yeah. I could tell. I mean, we could fill three hours <laughs> of the things I have seen um, everywhere. I mean, oh my gosh. Even at the pro lab, like stuff people would pay to have custom printed. Oh yeah. Bizarre. Hmm. Like truly people are weird. And uh, yeah, the, the mini lab, there was a lot of just strange you just <laughs> learned a lot because it was in a sort of suburban it was in a suburb of columbus kind of a well-to-do suburb so that was even more it was like you're seeing this like underside of these like suburban <laughs> moms and their suvs and they drop off stuff that you're just like wow <laughs> not looking i'm just gonna put this on auto for a few minutes give you some privacy and there was still polaroid back then still right? polaroid yes. don't care and like mixed in it'd be like a roll of like their kid's birthday party and then just like yeah drastic Whoops. change yeah, yeah. Whoa. after yeah. the birthday yeah. party yeah. Oh, i gotta finish gotta finish off this roll right. there's like exactly. five shots left what exactly. can we do honey <laughs> Uh, it's, it's funny we're going to this because I, I was thinking of um, there's that movie Shortcuts, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, there's Tom Waits is in that, right? Yep. Yeah, Tom yeah, Waits yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, is in it. And there's a scene where they go, they drop off their film at this mini lab and they go to pick it up. And but it's two two of the different characters meeting up, uh, you know, groups meeting up and they accidentally get each other's pictures. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, I think the Robert Downey Jr. character, they had he was into doing makeup and doing like gore and stuff. So he had like made his wife up like she had all like a, a knife through her and like all the things. And, and the other couple had photographed the dead body, uh, this dead body that they had found in, in the uh, in the water. And so they got each other's photos and they're each looking at them and then they like hand them off and they're talking about like calling the police on each other. And uh, it's this these awkward moments. And but that that's the kind of stuff that happens. And you, you get insight into people's lives. Right? Absolutely. All that stuff. Absolutely. And you also start to see, I mean, it, it's like a anthropological study. I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, there were days obviously where it just would wash, you know, over, but then other stuff was really kind of amazing to see, you know, different, um, you know, socioeconomic or like race, like the types of pictures that were taken. And, uh, it, I loved it. I, I loved every, I have such fond memories. Yeah, of, Digital kind of killed that in a way it because did. people, you know, well, get your iPhone out or, you know, and then, yeah. yeah. No creeps like me to sit yeah, and like, look at it. Yeah, the pictures probably got weirder, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe. As before, they had the term NSFW, but it certainly right. was, <laughs> was the case, right? <laughs> All right, so you find yourself, you've got this bachelor's degree, you're yes. working in labs, you're still in, you know, out, it's still in the general neck of the, the, the country that you Grew had up grown in, up yeah. in, and now you decide to make a big change at some point, right? Yeah, so I, um, I took a year off, like, after undergrad, and I should say, because because I transferred from OSU to Cincinnati, I was a year or two older than everybody else because just like credits and things like I'd taken some breaks. And right. so I was a little Which bit seems older. like a big deal then. But now, you're yeah, like, now I'm like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm one year older. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah, I felt like, <laughs> hey, kids. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm like, I can buy beer. Like, whoa. <laughs> right. uh, but um, yeah, I took a, I took a year off and just kind of hung around Cincinnati and um, worked. And Cincinnati at the time, there was a place called the SS Nova, which was an artist run space uh, that was great. And I, I did some work down there and helped out and like volunteered and it was just kind of understanding what I wanted as an artist and um, what I wanted to do. And I just kind of it was like one of those things like, well, what do you do after undergrad? Well, I guess you go to grad school, you know, so I waited a year to see if I like really wanted to do it. What year would have this been? I I started in 2004. Okay. So yeah. I graduated under so like was, 2002. That yeah. was much more of a normal path. Like when yes. I think when Michael and I were in undergrad, I, I didn't know anybody who was really going off. Going to grad grad we school. weren't thinking about it. Yeah. And in the early 90s, it just, I mean, there were, when I was at the museum school, there were, I think, two MFA students who were there at the time. But we, you go, oh, you're an MFA student, whatever. Like it didn't even register. It wasn't, it wasn't on the radar. But by, I think by 2000 and 2002, three, four people were like, oh, of course, you know, like, I gotta go off to grad school. Yeah, yeah, yeah the clock is ticking. <laughs> well, yeah, and the art market, of course, getting hot then too. Sure, with exactly. Like from pulling people out of undergrad, out of MFA programs, right exactly. into Chelsea and all that. Exactly. And I was, yeah, I was sort of right in the thick of that. Um, but at that time, I was like blissfully unaware. I think I was like pretty naive mm. and. Uh, so um, I had a good friend who I went to undergrad with who actually came here to this program. SVA. SVA, yes. And so she came and did her MFA here. And I was not particularly interested in going to grad school for photography um, because I, at that time, I was, again, like still working in this very like loose and mixed media way. Uh, and I wanted something interdis interdisciplinary, which d was not really a buzzword at that time either so a friend of mine who was in she was like a sound she was really into sound and she had mentioned uh RISD's digital media program which was like brand new at that time and she's like oh there's this cool thing it's interdisciplinary like whatever I was like oh 
I'll apply. What the heck? And I actually did not a expect to get in and <laughs> was not really sure, you know, that I could afford it. And um, so I kind of did it as a goof. And I applied to I actually applied back at OSU, weirdly. Oh. And didn't get in. And that was like my safety. Like I was like, how to supply there? And they totally were like, nope. You hear that OSU? You were yeah. the safety school. Yeah. And and they, no, they d- looked and up rejected and they, me. Like, they saw that you dropped out and went I over. I guess so, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was really uh, funny. And what's even funnier is I think I got their rejection before I got uh, i'm trying to remember where else i applied so I when you got that rejection you thought oh man I was like, I, you I'm, know, uh, I'm never going anywhere yeah now. i'm like well okay i'm Can't just gonna work it. at this lab for the rest of my i'll be a lifer you know i'm like right. okay yeah because my life is over at the <laughs> ripe old right. age of 24 <laughs> yeah, yeah you know so i um i and then i i got a call from the chair up at risd this uh guy by the name of bill seaman and uh i talked to him and he explained the program in more detail and i just got really excited about it um because the way it's structured is it's like they have classes that'll be like digital media and painting or digital media and sculpture. So it's like it starts in the digital media department, but then they'll use a painting professor or a photo professor, or a sculpture or glass or whatever, and they kind of lead the class. But then sort of always circling back to technology and the way that technology can be work in concert with whatever medium. So, you know, and basically he was like, he was like, you can come in and do whatever you want, mm. which was appealing to me. And this is a call like as an interview kind of call or? Yes. Yeah. He called and we just chatted on the phone. And um, so you got excited about this program after he described it to you over the phone. And, yes. Yeah. yeah. So so I was like, OK, let's do this. And he also helped me out. Like, you know, I got a scholarship and assistantship and stuff. So financially, you know, it was I went from going to like an in-state state school to a private art school right which tuition wise and for graduate school which is more expensive and um so yeah we i picked up and moved to providence um basically sight unseen i don't think i even ever went there Hmm. before uh because i couldn't so i just like found an apartment on the internet (laughs) which i think back like oh that's did you find your roommate on the internet too? Uh, luckily, I moved there with a boyfriend at the oh, time, good. so I, he, you know, he offset, you know, the rent situation. Roommate, nice. Um, and then, you know, I went to RISD, and I, I have nothing but positive um, feelings about it now. I would say at the time, I experienced what I think a lot of graduate students do, which is uh, just sort of existential panic and fears of uh, about you know, is this really what I want to be doing? And, you know, I think I went through all of that stuff. But once I came through the other side, I felt um, it's like the best thing I did. You actually talk about that. You were um, interviewed by the L magazine. I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you talk about, uh, the question was, what's the best way for students to get honest feedback about their work? And do they even wanted and then you you what you talk about being defensive and, sure. and being open and being willing to experiment a little bit and change and yeah and to to their credit and everyone running the program at that time bill has since moved he's at duke university now um who was the chair of the department but they they really let us kind of just do what we wanted i mean they you know my thesis was 30 pages long uh, the written component wow. and the theoretical component was quite heady but um in terms of making work i felt like i had a ton of freedom and i felt really supported but i did learn yeah through some tough critiques uh how to conduct myself in a critique and you know we they would bring in critics so the way their system worked would be uh you would have classes and 
make work and you'd show work in your classes, but then at the end of the semester, it'd be a department wide critique and they'd bring in guest critics from all over the place. So Christian Paul might be there from the Whitney or mm. um, like Pamela Bannon, you know, there were several people that were um, really, really, you know, sort of intimidating, like Mark Tribe, who's here now, would come and sit in. And so you had this freedom, but then you also had this, you know, you really had to learn how to defend your work or speak about your work or listen to someone else speak about your work. Was uh, was New York or Boston influence there? Were you guys, would you guys make trips places or we did would. you just stay at... Yeah, okay. we came down here. We came to New York uh, several times uh, with different classes. I had Sheila Pepe, who she's a, uh, a sculptor uh, who lives here. And she was a professor of mine there who also a big mentor. She's one of my thesis advisors. Uh, so she would bring us down. We did go to Boston I felt weird about the Boston art scene. You know, uh, we only went to a couple things up there and I, I didn't really get a good sense of it. But we did not go to, um, we went to like Seagraph, I think. Like sort of, it was like more oh, digital that's, yeah, that's kind of stuff. It's like was, a trade show, basically. It was strange, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And then we also actually, we had another professor who I think is no longer there, but she was from Montreal. So we went to Montreal, which was great. Uh, went to Concordia and uh, that was really interesting to see the Canadian side of art making and how artists like function in Canada is really yeah. different. Like how many things can you do with maple leaves? And, uh... <laughs> well, also like getting like actual nice. like in there government goes the Canadian support. Audience. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, come on. <laughs> a lot of moose, uh, yeah. no. maple syrup, no. uh, the whole thing. No, yeah. but they, you know, because there's like a built-in system, uh, you know, for artists yeah. to be able to make art. It's you know, the market feels felt at that time in particular felt really different, and uh, the kind of art you saw, I thought was. Also, I think the sense of community there, and that's why all that great music came out of there mm-hmm. around that time of uh, you know mid. Yeah, 2004, 5, 6, eight. like all of a sudden all these incredible Canadian bands are coming down because they could afford to live cheaply. But, you know, one person had a job at a coffee shop and the rest of them could spend time practicing all day and things sure. like that. Right? You're talking about Loverboy in particular, right? Yes. Uh, yes. I actually yeah. don't know that. Rush. And is any of the work that uh, people can see on your website from your time at RISD or no. is that? Uh, yeah. What is on my website right now? I change my website all the time because I, I made it myself. So I have well, like a web background. one thing I think is people going back to MFA programs is I, I, there's, there's very little, almost nothing on my website that's before I went to graduate school because, yeah. you know, whatever reason, multiple reasons. And um, so that's sort of a cutoff point. I think a lot of people like the... It's a little bit like a coming out kind of party. Sure. And they're like, oh, I have my, this is my thesis show and I'm going to put, I'm going to like, whatever website I had before, I'll scrap it and I'm going to start fresh with my new professional website with just this stuff on it. Sure. And then some people don't put anything that they did for the next couple of years up. So yeah, you know, it, it partly is why not, I was asking. You know? Yeah. My thesis is not, I, I you know, my thesis. <laughs> The I look back at my thesis. Yeah, right. you know, website. you can actually—I shouldn't even say this—but you can find it because I think it's on Google Books. It's embarrassing. Please don't read it because um, it is like I've read it several times. And I'm just like, oh. God. Oh, we were going to end the show with you reading with it. With me reading it aloud, a performative reading. Uh, no, it's called uh, "All the Glitters: The Importance of the Irrational." So I was really into irrationality and delusion and. I mean, it it's like textbook sort of grad school stuff. You know, I was really it was the first time I was able to ingest and um, understand theory 
with any real uh, synthesis to what I was making. And so that felt just like my brain exploded. Uh, I also was really fortunate. My classmates was a fairly small class. I think only like 12 people. Uh, but it was a really close knit community and I'm still really, really close. In fact, I would say some of the biggest like inspirations or the best people I know are the people I went to grad school with. And I'm still very close to many, many of them. So that for me, like it, it was a lot, you know, it was like the work I was making, but it's also sort of socially and like finding a community of people who are interested in the same thing in the same way that I just didn't have quite to that same level. Uh, but anyway, about the work. So, so on that, in that sense, I feel like I grew and, you know, really changed in a lot of good ways. The work itself almost feels like a byproduct of that process for me. I don't think I really started making the work that I feel most proud of until like a year or two out. And that was, you know, when you're in school, you have to grapple with the critique system and hearing uh, conflicting views about your work. And I've always been a good student. So I think sometimes that desire to be a good student would maybe stand in the way of the best choice as an artist. And, and I think that I wasn't able to figure that out until I was out. And actually, Sheila, going back to Sheila Pepe, my mentor, she told me the best piece of advice ever. And she said, stop trying to be smart yeah. with my work. And I, I was like, you know, a <laughs> That's great advice. Sheila, you oh. know, but then I was like, oh, you're right. Like, yeah. actually, you're you're totally right. And it's like, it sticks with me to this day. I catch myself. I'm like, okay, like, you're you're lapsing into right. something that's maybe not helpful. And of course, getting back to, to what you said about being in an MFA, in an MFA program, uh, that that does it also uh, closes you off when you're just trying to be right and smart. Yeah. And, you know, you're performing. Uh, you yeah. Know, you're performing for your teachers. You're, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. So the work isn't for me, the work, I mean, it's not bad work, you know, but I, it's sort of just like, meh, it's okay. It's not the best. You if know? you want to make that kind of work, then you should go for your DFA. <laughs> That's right. The DFA. You guys should start a DFA. I feel like this is what this is brewing into. It's like, a, we're seeing it here. We're going to have a meeting with Charles after this. <laughs> <Right. to see. laughs> But uh, so you guys have this community now. I know a number. Of, we've had actually Rachel Stern was on our, uh, mm -hmm. our early person on our show. And she loved being in RISD. She had access to a huge studio and she yeah. had a real community there. And um, did your community of, of artists that you were close to all pack up and move to New York City after grad school? Or? So so that's some, some and some are still here. Um, but now we're pretty spread. There's a pretty healthy especially from digital media because digital media is sort of interesting to see where people landed some people are artists some people like i have a, a good friend who's a cto at this point you know i have another friend uh, many of them went into the film business who mm. are doing like vfx and directing even making um, real money making real money <laughs> yes you know so a lot of them are on the west coast uh so they're we're kind of divided between here and la I'm trying to think of where else. Some are in Portland, uh, Oregon, uh, but uh, most of us came here, and then it's kind of been a trickling out. Yeah, right. uh, which I think that happens. Yeah, you and know. you're about to contribute to that too. I right? am. Yeah. Yeah. I so, am. Yeah. so that's a that's a hard thing. That's like my big struggle right well, now. Well, right right now, uh, what is your title here at the SVA? Right now, so I'm faculty, and mm -hmm. I'm also the special projects coordinator and uh, coordinator of curriculum. 
Okay. What, what, what does that mean? What special that mean? projects. So special projects uh, <laughs> is something that basically handles. I, so we were having like a book fair coming up, as you guys know, right? Kai's Kai will be, be there. That, yeah. yeah. And um, lectures, uh, student exhibitions, I handle the exhibition. So basically anything that serves the community or trying to get the department to engage with the outside world sort of falls under a special project. Before I leave, I'm working on this. It's our anniversary, our 30th year anniversary of the department, I guess, next year. Wow. So uh, what yeah. we're doing is we're working, building this huge uh anniversary timeline so it's like a web project uh that we hope will also be kind of like the icp timeline um mm -hmm. so we're working on that i'm trying to get that together before i go so that's what special projects does nice and curriculum is just kind of you know figuring out where there are holes what do students need that must involve you know you just being aware of what's going on out yes. in the world right yes yeah, yeah for sure and uh, faculty though what are you teaching so I teach three classes. Uh, I teach this semester. I'm teaching a class called it's called Colloquia, which is I would change the name. It's a name I inherited. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of like a, a practice class and it's not limited to professional practice. Mm. Uh, one thing that I noticed at RISD and that became apparent here after working here for a couple of years is that many grad programs don't really have anything designed to inform their graduates about what's going to happen when they leave you know it's kind of like okay you make the work here and then bye so uh i just i kept having alumni come to me over and over again like i can't you know i'm having trouble i you know i, I feel like i can't make any work and and some of it was professionally driven like how do you make a cv or how do you apply to residencies but some of it was actually like I don't even know how to put it, like psychological or um, feelings-y. <laughs> so, yeah, almost so, like culture shock, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And how do, you, how do you manage? And that was something I really grappled with, especially moving here after uh, grad school. When I first came here before I worked at SVA, I was an artist assistant and not making much money. And it took me a long time to be able to afford a studio. And I've had studios in, I think, like, I want to say, like, every borough. But I've had, like, a bazillion studios. And it took me, like, years to figure out how to balance working full time, basically, and have a studio practice. So so that's what this class kind of does. Um, and it talks about, you know, periods where you're, you're fallow and periods where you're productive and how that's okay and that happens. And I, I just realized with myself that I had a lot of, preconceived notions of like what an artist is or how an artist works that were out of line with who I actually am. So once I was able to resolve who I am with my studio practice, then I could develop one that made sense for me. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I try to help them do sort of preemptively before they leave. That sounds great. Is that a required class or? Uh, no, no, yeah, it's elective. Right. And uh, I also teach and then this uh, in spring semester, I also I team teach a class with uh, another uh, staff member, Randy West, and it's called How to Fail Better. <laughs> and it's a class about failure. So uh, we came up with this, I think this is our fourth or fifth year teaching it, where <laughs> we just sort of felt like a lot of the work that we saw students were doing was fine. Like if you saw, you're like, that's fine. <laughs> but it wasn't like so good or so bad, right? There's no extreme. And we kind of came to this conclusion that it was in this middle space because there, there's no room for them to really experiment. There's no room to get weird without fear of like the opinion of your crit teacher or uh, going back to your MFA days. Right, yes. right, exactly. So it's like, a, so we came up with that class to um, get weird and let them I have. like that idea a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been, I think the students get a lot out of it. Um, and then in the fall, I teach a class that I've been doing three years now. It's a class I created called Pictures in Space. And that's a class about um, 
Insulation, like images and insulation. So an insulation is used very loosely, uh, like pictures and physical space. And then I have a web component that I make them make work online because I think that's something I'm very interested in. And with the closing of so many galleries, you know, you start to think about how do you present your work. Yeah. Weren't you in a show like gifts you can have sex to I was, or something yeah yeah like yeah that, that yeah. was curated by uh, faith holland who's yeah. a former student here yeah okay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> memorable title memorable you know? title <laughs> that's right that's faith all the way too uh so i i want to use this uh, i want to continue get the rest of the timeline but um why don't we talk a little bit about these how these issues line up with the work that you make so sure. even talking about the online component right because you've got uh, some stuff up on Vimeo, but uh, things oh, yeah. that are, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I do have a Vimeo. Yeah, yeah. About that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also uh, being in a show like Gifts You Can Have Sex to it also assumes that you were making things for like virtual consumption that way too, right? Do you? Yeah, that's something I'm really interested. So I'm a new mom. I have a one year old. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so when I got pregnant, I was working on. Um, I was working on printed photographs uh working with this like black rubber material like dipping these photographs in rubber super toxic mm -hmm. so i was like oh i'm pregnant i can't do that anymore and i've always like i've always made uh my own websites and uh, i taught web design actually and web coding it's just something i have a weird natural understanding i don't have a weird proclivity for not that i'm that great at it but i understand <laughs> it it comes easy to me so and i've always been interested in the web as space for something um, only, I mean, obviously, like your audience is huge, but you also get somebody in this kind of intimate space for the most part, you know, where it's just usually them and a laptop looking at the work and they can take more time with it and they don't have to go anywhere physically. So there are all these things about the web that I was really interested in. And uh, so I started thinking about ways that I can engage. And I have a project that's not on my site. And I guess I won't even really talk about it too much because it's it's um, one I've been working on for several years and works with live streams, which I'm really interested in. And there's just one little piece of coding that's beyond my skills that I'm sort of collaborating with somebody else. So hopefully that'll be done soon. But um, anyway, I, I, I made um, there's a piece up right now called Image May Contain that's. Uh, maybe could use a description it's sort of up there as like a test because it's it's strange but mm. uh, I got very interested in the way we look at images online and when you make a web page uh, you have to there's something called like an alt tag right where if somebody is uh, visually impaired right if it's a picture it of a dog the description yeah, yeah you would say dog dot jpeg right but so what I I've always found that strange and I was on the bus once with a, a guy who was blind and he was listening to the internet and it was fascinating and I but it sounded like I'm like that just seems so unpleasant in a way right because it's reading through all these tags oh and, yeah dog dot jpeg yeah you know, and it's just you know I was just trying to think of like gosh how must, I don't know, it's a strange thing. So I started doing research about uh, readers, online readers for visually impaired people. And I came across this article about Facebook and Facebook has put in this new thing called, I forget what it's called, but um, it's kind of some piece of AI that will scan your photograph and it'll like recognize a face or it'll recognize a tree. And so when a reader, a text reader comes to it, it'll say like um, image may contain a a man image may contain a dog and so that was like 
Facebook's answer to you know making closed captioning for closed captioning right, or, or visual accessibility, images, right? yeah, which I think is actually like not that great. And <laughs> so there was something about the instability of that language. Image may contain, mm-hmm. right? I'm like that's so weird. It's like you know, like this may contain peanuts, like from a sh- you know, it's very strange. Yeah, it has so, a legal kind of connotation. Weird, like, you yeah. know, like they're afraid to yeah. <laughs> get yeah. it wrong. Well, yeah. it's also because right. like no real human is looking. It's like a computer is assessing and then giving you this description and the description is really lame so that's where their piece comes from i was like what if i could make something that was like sort of an image made for somebody who can't see and i sort of talked about it in a way um that i felt when i was making the image or what i hoped that image would mean and i'm shy about that work and i made several of them because i'm i don't consider myself a writer so that right the written component is yeah i feel fine about the image but it's the written component and that description that makes me like a little nervous um but it was exciting to do and when I get some guts, I'll put up the rest of them. So the image that you do have online is, so it's a it's an image divided diagonally, yes. light and dark. Yeah. And when you click on it... Um, screen it, goes black. Right, the screen yeah. goes black, yeah. and then you hear sounds of the what could be the scene that you're looking at. Right. right. And, I, and I recorded it using a reader. So so I, I put oh, that I thought you like collaborated with Radiohead because it's... Uh, <laughs> oh, that voice? Yeah, it's that voice, right? Those voices are... There's like a bazillion of them. And I actually was in my office with a student and we were like cackling at like some of the ridiculous... They have some that are like bubble... Like it's like a bubble voice. Oh, it's yeah, unintelligible. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. weird. <laughs> but we... Um, I yeah, switched so my iPhone over to the British... The British voice. It's like a, this British man for Syria. It's like it feels like I have a butler or something. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it changes great. it changes yeah. everything right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no so it's it's i used a reader and i i embedded that image in my site use and i wrote that that all that text resides in the alt tag so um and then i had the reader read it so what you're hearing is exactly when someone goes to that page what as someone who's visually impaired would hear mm. and that the half divided image is from a series it's actually not on my website um but it was from a show i had uh a group show i was in with three other people at nurture art uh, in 2015 called rational formal and that was with some of that black like the black rubber though that was some of the prints it's sort of a tie over aesthetically but i liked like not you couldn't have the whole right. picture although now so now uh this someone who can't see goes and they get this loving description of a photograph that doesn't actually exist that they that no one else can see. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's <laughs> like you only get the description I, it's a tricky it's a tricky piece because I was like back and forth of like should I show the photograph at all like maybe it should just be these descriptions and is it fair and you know right. so it's just it's a tricky fun I, I'm not fully resolved like all those questions even for myself really one thing I noticed uh going through your website is that you there's no hierarchy really other than I guess things might be arranged by year but ish, but, yeah. Yeah, ish, <laughs> yeah. but um <laughs> but as you scroll vertically down there's you know one project sort of after the other and with the title and the date and then you have to you scroll horizontally for some of them to see the rest but like just what you were describing about the first one which is the first thing on there there's I had the sense that there was more information like text or description right. or something that goes with these projects that wasn't available <laughs> on the website. For yes. example, what you just told us about. Yes, not very reader. generous of me. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> you know, it is something that I, I'm not, uh, we see that a lot here. You know, that's like a very grad school or student thing. Like, I don't want to tell everybody what my work is about. I actually don't have a problem being generous with that. I don't have a problem saying it. I just, I just haven't, 
I haven't sort of uh, design wise figured out where it would sit on my site. And, and it's maybe out of sheer laziness to be honest, right. like truthfully. Maybe but a I, little text block at the end as yeah, you scroll. Yeah, something, especially for that whatever. piece. That piece in particular is one that I think does need some kind of, you know, setup because if not, it's sort of confusing. You know, and I think even um, somebody who is used to using a text reader would even just also be like, wait, what? You, you know, so yeah, for I, sure. I think there's also a little um, fatigue that happens too when you're here every day and you're teaching and you're already sharing so much of what you do and how you do it and you don't you, you after a while you don't see the website as the primary platform anymore right. of sharing that information right that's true that's true yeah it's it might, I actually I mean I feel like I change my site like every three years so I'm like oh we're due for a new <laughs> site you know and every time it sort of changes as to like what I think it's going to be. Um, so that's what the internet archive is for. That's People true. Can go yeah. back and yeah. see. Oh my yeah. God. My old sites are like hilarious. They're so bad, but lots, lots of flashing text. Lots of, no, <laughs> but tag, just sort of like big and splashy. And, and I did show my thesis work at one point, you know, I think as you know, with this, it's just kind of, as I've made more work, it just kind of like, I just cap it at a certain amount of stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's enough. You, you know, <laughs> that's why I think on the top, I just have some work by right. Michelle Affairs. You do. <laughs> yeah. Some works. Yes. Some works by. <laughs> uh, that, that's a whole other thing is like, what do you, like, for example, I gave a, I was, gave an artist talk uh, for our photo three class at Columbia last week. And as I was making the slideshow, I realized that, oh, I don't know, three quarters of it or maybe more, you could see those images on my website already. Right. So it was like, oh, I'm coming to give this slide right. talk. But they all did research ahead of time. So they saw some some or a great extent of them, not all of them, but I brought some other stuff too. But there's always that idea of how much is enough to uh, give the idea for the project and, and what text do you want to have along or is the title enough? Or Sure. You know. Well, I, you know, I ran into something. I gave a speech uh, or I had to give an artist lecture um, a couple months ago up, up in Vermont. And I, I kind of had that same thing where I was like, well, I'm, I'm assuming they saw who's coming. They Googled me and they looked at my website. So what can I, I was thinking of like DVDs, like when you have extras on DVDs, I'm like, what can I show them? So what I did and I, is this know, the SPE conference? No, this oh, was at uh, Middlebury college. Oh, uh, okay. So they had me up to do an artist lecture and, um, I, uh, and I, I guess I should, maybe it'd be nice to talk to some of them about it and get their feedback. But what I did for, uh, I have a body of work called removals of questionable relevance. Right. And so they're just, the piece is really about the backgrounds of um, I, I collect a lot of images. I have like scores and scores and scores of images saved on my computer that I just collect obsessively. Just I don't know. I just like them. And I don't never. I mean, sometimes I use them for things. But a lot of times I'm just like, oh, I like this rock. And so I'll like collect different things. I was really into gems and minerals. So I was that sounds collecting like a very New York thing to do to be a collector and not take up any physical. Yeah, exactly. Space. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. I love this rock. This picture of this, this rock. picture of this rock. Exactly. And I have like tons and tons <laughs> of Image may contain a rock. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All images may contain a rock. Yes, I, for sure. <laughs> That's great. Um, and I, so I was collecting them and I, I started noticing that a lot of the pictures were coming from eBay where people are trying to sell them. And so there's one in particular where um, the person selling it, they didn't have like a white seamless background. So they did the, my most favorite thing anybody has ever done ever was they took four sheets of like copier paper and just stuck the thing in the middle of these four sheets. And it doesn't even make any sense because the the, the mineral itself would the have smaller. fit on one, right. but they put it in the middle. So it was this really strange thing. And so I was obsessed with this That's background. probably their studio. You know, they have like probably 10 sheets. Right, this, like, exactly. It, it just goes. Yeah. 
So I was obsessed with this eBay rock. And so what I did is I just Photoshopped out the rock itself and then removed it just so I could like really look at the background. And um, so when I showed, when I talked about that work in my lecture, I actually brought in all the PSDs. And so I would show the original image and then show my image. And the layers and everything. Yeah. Yeah, Like, or just like, I just made, I just had like one image, like a JPEG just in my slideshow. So one with the rock and then one without it. Uh, which is, I've never done that before. And I, I think it went over well, but I was trying to think, I'm like, okay, what else can I give you that you can't just go look at my website, right. you know? Um, and then I have a, a, another project called Women, Women's Own Book of Houseplants. And there's a whole separate side project that goes with that where I have a sentence that I've written about each woman that um, I name each one of these plants for that are sort of like generalizations, right? Like... Um, I don't know. I, 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 so I've never made them public because these are real people and these are real, real things about them. So I'm always very hesitant to share that publicly. Right. But cause in, the photos are here, but not the, not the any text. text. Yeah. The text right. is not. Right. And I did make like a, cause I have a book of that as well. And um, I did make a sort of list of all of them, like a key that goes in the back. And then I've chickened out every time I've ever sold them and I, I don't <laughs> do it. So, uh, so I shared with them some of these, some of this text stuff. Well, what is the text like? Um, so let me think of a good, I'm going to, I'm going to change the names to protect the innocent, yes. but, but it's like really <laughs> innocuous. It'd be like, you know, like Sally eats, eats kimchi for breakfast. You know, it's just like a thing I note about them. Um, but some of them can be really personal and some of them can be really vague. So, so that's the kind of stuff. So I just felt, I don't know. I, it's interesting and people that hear it are, I think, like hearing it. But at the same time, I, I've always never known where to draw the line of like how much I wanted to share with that piece. And that's mostly just because I, I, f- I feel like someone could put two and two together of like, oh, this is she talked about this person and, you know, whatever, like, you know, um, Lucy I mean, cheats on her husband, can, you know, yeah, something like that. Oh, you know, I just oh, don't okay. want to. I mean, there but is are, not one like that. But are you also are you concerned at all with a comparison to plants at all? Or, or how uh, the, does that? The, so so that that work is um, so basically I have a book that my old studio mate um, left me uh, when he moved out. And it was called we used to laugh about it. It's called Woman's Own Book of House Plants. Oh, OK. And so I could never like I'm like, why is this? What? What about what are the women getting from this? It's just a book about plants. <laughs> and so it was just like this late 60s sort of like sexist book and right so that's what that's what i was wondering is that at the heart of it right yeah and so so i and there are all these pictures like black and white pictures of these plants um you know and that's the age of the plant as decoration and so uh these really stylized pictures are sort of dead really in the truest sense of photography like these feelings of these like dead black and white sort of studio pictures really sterile so I took images from a garden I have um and or I took material and then made new images and then as I was making them I the title was just like nagging at me and I was like well, what if this is about like specific people like what if I made these as like a tribute to my friend Rachel like and so then as I was making them I would sort of name them Rachel like, who's cheating on her husband Rachel who's cheating on her husband yeah no <laughs> Rachel's not cheating on her husband let me just say that she's not doing that and, and loves poinsettias yeah, yeah she loves poinsettias but but like you know uh maybe rachel you know has really curly hair and there was something about this the way this plant was interacting with this image that reminded me of her so that's sort of how i named them like i just would sort of i would compose the image and then after composing it be like okay and then as i as this went on an interesting thing happened in that the the women or people who have the same name automatically like assume like a, a sense of ownership ah. so in, in a way like that like maybe a horoscope works or you buy like a license 
plate at a gas station with your name on it, you know? And they sort of kind of they identified like with whatever you were writing and yes, the flower. And, and yeah, writing. and it and it that became really interesting. So as I went on, um, there are some later pieces that I did set out and make with that person and uh, with a certain person in mind. I was like, oh, I should make one for my friend Brienne. And then I had this plant material that reminded me of something of Brienne. You know, so I was like, oh, this is totally Brienne, and I would I would put that down. So. Mm. So that's where that where it came from. I, I mean, I'm sure I haven't seen the book you're referring to, but I can imagine some of the language in it or whatever. But um, uh, growing up, my mother was and my grandmother were definitely big into plants. My mother more so than my grandmother, and um, she would always, uh, if you'd open up books on the bookshelf, flowers that were being flattened would come out. She like was you know the press flower, yeah, yeah. doing all the yeah. press flower work, and she used to, after they were pressed, make these amazing arrangements and frames and do things like that. So. And that's actually kind of how I made the print. So the, the prints are made with, um, I would take the photograph and then um, from the book and then smush it on a scanner. They're all made on a scanner. Okay. So I would like press it, literally pressing. So very, yeah, yeah I was definitely thinking of like press yeah, flowers. And, and all that. So, yeah. but there, I mean, I don't know if it's cliche or not, but there, there is something, um, there is something feminine about that whole uh, way of working or that that was like something that, people did that uh, of a generation of right. a generation yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah like and sure. i think yes you know in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and but probably even going back for oh, all yeah. i know to victorian times right like pressed right. flowers were huge back then too so um and looking at a lot of so we haven't mentioned you we, we can bring up that there's that word that uh i think um picasso and uh is it brock i think came up with a collage right yes yes and that collage is a big part of your work sure. and and found imagery and other images coming in from stuff and looking at you know a lot of people do collage work or do found imagery work and the type of source materials that they're drawn to obviously says a lot about their what they're just you know what they're personally invest you know attracted to right and i would say that between the the flowers and that flower book and then some of the other collages and one of your other projects look like they have stuff maybe from like uh glamour magazines or something from the 70s oh. or, or oh, something. okay the so um, incidental collages right. that the piece so i don't see a lot of like you know uh guns and cars and you no. know yeah it's, yeah yeah sure like, sure you know, rough, yeah rough, so yeah yeah there's definitely yeah i definitely have uh an interest toward feminine things, which is funny to say, but it's true, you, you know. Uh, well, it's part of your concerns, maybe, in yeah, your work, yeah. right? Yeah. With the incidental collages, so that work, and that's also, this could also use some text on the website. <laughs> this is like what I'm getting out of this whole thing is I need to like sit down this weekend and just like get it over with. But, uh, before this, the, what you should before this airs, airs yeah, then right. like, what are you talking about? Maybe before I'll credit you guys. This. By the time this airs, this no, would be I a will, fantastic I will give you guys site. credit for... Uh, <laughs> courtesy of the photo show uh, no uh, with that work um so i i had a job uh working at the 92nd street y uh, a couple years back and um it was like something i just did on the weekends and i did it uh, a friend of mine worked there and she got me involved and i worked with the kids that were there on scholarship and uh the class was kind of like I think it was also called special projects, which is becoming like a theme in my life. <laughs> mm. But we would do all kinds of things. We would do drawing and painting. And so one of the things I had them do is I had them make zines out of collage. And so at the 92nd Street Y, they have tons of kids, kids and adult art classes. So they just have tons and tons of these old magazines. So what would happen 
while I'm in there, you know, when someone's collaging in a class, there's not much hovering as like an art teacher you can do. Like you kind of just have to let them go. So I'd just be sitting there sort of thumbing through these ripped up, like destroyed magazines. Mm. And I just started noticing like, I thought it was really fascinating the stuff people was like what they had cut out and how that laid on the page next to it. So all of those I did not, I just photographed. Ah, They're all found. Ah, They really are. This is just, this is just how the chips fell when someone cut through, you know, and it's, it's really interesting when you get to like um, ads for like jewelry, you can see like the things that people are gravitating toward. But what I really loved is shiny, 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 you know, but I really loved what was left, you know, make these and sometimes like sort of like really poignant images, I thought. Um, and so I just started. I mean, these are all shot on my phone. Like this was like such a a project that I, I would not have considered a project. Right. You know, it was just something I was doing. And then after I put it all together, I'm like, oh, these are actually like really compelling and nice to look at. So it's like, oh, let's let's print them. So you what, know? what's left are the things people are lesser interested in and wafts of probably f- free perfume samples. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. A lot of headless bodies. Right. Many, many headless bodies. <laughs> um, lots of ladies with like, like there's one picture I love. It's a woman on an orange background and she's kind of doing this. And there's just like a big triangle where somebody's like cut off her necklace. Right. You know, right. and, and they've just sort of robbed these women of 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 their shiny things and so, uh right so uh hands in the air head to the side right okay yeah for yeah. Our, for all our viewers uh, yeah. on the podcast oh yeah yeah was like, yeah, yeah yeah but it, it was it was a fun project and it was one that you know i actually thought about i was like gosh maybe i'll just go collect like old like just beat up magazines or books from you know kids and just see what's there but you know it was like sort of a time and place thing and yeah, um, when uh, I was at uh, when I was in high school and at, at North Carolina School of the Arts, we had a design class where we had to do collage, and um, you know, the, the there were some students who came from wealthier families or whatever, and they would go out to the fancy. Uh, there was a a, a bakery slash newsstand cafe kind of place, and they'd go buy like the glossy European magazines, and so they were coming back with these amazing collages with all the like, like oh my god, where'd you get all this stuff? And uh, I had no money, so I would I was going. Like there, was, there was a collection of magazines yeah. that had been there for years and years and years, and one of the one of the professors had brought in like. I forget which gay magazine it was. It was like not a racy one, but it was one that was like, uh, God, I, I used to remember the title of it, but it was, you know, just like lifestyle kind of right. gay lifestyle magazine, mostly black and white. And you're like, I had that and like, yeah, good housekeeping or something to choose from. I was like, man, what am I going to do? There was like so little to choose from. Right. It was mostly, one was mostly just text and articles and the other one, the others were like nothing that <laughs> glitzy. And I'd look over and they had these, you know, incredible, you know, architectural digest, but super glossy stuff. I was like, oh. <laughs> so source materials is really it's important. It's really important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's fa- it was, it was, it was fascinating. And just also thinking about the community that that, that the 90 Second Street Wives serves and, you know, it's, because I think like, you know, probably older Upper East Side ladies go in there and make collages, you know. So it was fun to sort of think about who had rifled through this. And So you mentioned uh, Middlebury not too long ago uh, and doing a, a talk there. Uh, yes. And yes, so, it. yeah, you have uh, some future plans coming up, some plans coming up yes. uh, in the near future. So, yeah. So I've been here at SVA in the MFA photo department for 11 years. It's been really great. And um, I, you know, I, I, it's been like almost like a second education. It's, it's really like where I feel, feel like I learned how to teach. And, uh, but uh, like I mentioned earlier, I have a one year old and um, 
it just got to the point where I felt like it was time to move on, you know, time to move out of the city, which is I'm still having like lots of anxiety about. Um, but there was a position open at Middlebury and they have uh, it's an excellent reputation. Special coordinator for no, <laughs> yeah, special no, there projects. I'm just, I'm just faculty. <laughs> oh, wait, special project. Special right. project. Yeah. No, I'm not doing any kind of special special projecting <laughs> up there. Um, I, I will just be a, a assistant professor of studio art. And um, the faculty is really great and it's a beautiful place and uh, I'm really excited. I'm also really excited they have a dark room, which sort of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. So I, I actually have some plans of mm. like, like, wow, maybe I'll shoot some film. I have, I still have, I have like a bin. I have Neopan. Do you remember Neopan? Uh, yes, I love Fuji Neopan. I have a ton of it. My favorite that I have film. Been stockpiling yes. since like, you know, 1999 or whatever. Uh, just sitting in my freezer. So I will finally bust that out, see if it's any good. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Shoot some film. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to get in the dark room and, uh, it'll it'll be an interesting uh, new chapter in, in my life. So that's yeah. great. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. So yeah. wh- when are you moving up? So we'll be there in August. So we're gonna head up in August. Okay. And uh, what's the? I assume partner is the father of the kid. Partner is father of the kid. <laughs> yes, okay. yes, yes. And yeah. uh, what's he gonna be doing up there? You know, I don't know. He uh, for him, um, he comes from like uh, he has a background in, in music and. Um, you know, a lot of other interests. And so I don't know, he gets to sort of start over and, and think about what to do up there. I think he's looking forward to it. He's, he's originally from, you know, up there in that area, like, you know, upper New England. So for him, I think it's, you know, he's going back home a little bit, Mm. uh, which would be nice. And yeah, I don't know. He's going to figure it out. Stay at home dad, maybe. Stay at home dad. (laughs) I mean, he kind of, in a way, you know, one thing that is nice about living out of the city is that, I'm still like a little in disbelief, but um, really looking forward to like the lack of hustle that I will have to do. Mm. Like here, it's just a lot of like yeah. moving parts, and you know I haven't been adjuncting at other places uh, the last year or two. But prior to that, I was always adjuncting. I had adjuncted at Ramapo, I adjuncted at Adelphi, and um, just a lot of like freelance work and hustling. And and now that's all going to be kind of quiet for a while, which is great. Yeah. No, I re- I remember doing that. I <laughs> I was an adjunct at Laguardia. Columbia, Rockland, and Ramapo. Wow, overlapping at one point, and every morning I'd wake up and just like like a compass, think what direction am I going in today? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's br- it's brutal and it wears on you. And you know, I'm excited. I think for my own work too, um, I'm really looking forward to a couple things uh, because Middlebury is a liberal arts school. Uh, you know, the other faculty and the other disciplines are incredible. You know, it's 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 um, it's overwhelming. So I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully some collaborations mm-hmm. with like um, you know computer science and mm-hmm. there there's a lot of stuff for my work that I think could really open up there uh, and and so I'm I'm super excited to see what that'll be. Yeah. Well, now that you're moving to Vermont, um, <laughs> describing where your partner's from is somewhere in Upper New England. <laughs> Probably yeah. won't do anymore. <laughs> Probably get a little more specific. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I guess like Massachusetts. Like, I don't know why I said Upper New England, but I just. <laughs> hey, those I Vermonters, you yeah. don't know. Yeah. yeah. Upper New England. Yes. Uh, no, but he, I think we're going to be north of where he grew up. But right. but still, he like understands. And I lived in Providence, which is also upper new england i guess which is my new <laughs> distinction right. where we're coming from but yeah. so Not um, those damn funny. connecticut people yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. lower, lower new england yeah. 
So are your folks uh, still with us? Still? Yes, yeah. yeah. My yeah. parents, uh, they live, so my dad still lives in Florida and mm-hmm. my mom uh, has since uh, moved. Um, she and my stepdad live in Delaware and uh, they are retired. Mm-hmm. So they're, and they're excited. They have a new grandchild. Yeah. So, you know, so they're, they're happy. And yeah. um, <laughs> I think, you know, looking forward or maybe not looking forward to schlepping all the way up to Vermont to come <laughs> see right. us in the snow. But I think, I think they're, you know, we, we skied a lot as kids cause I, you know, Northeast Ohio is not exactly without winter. So, um, oh, right. yeah. So cause of Cleveland and Lake effect snow and stuff. So yeah, and they they're chose that they left Florida. They to chose go back that. To yeah. It, so yeah. So some part of them is attracted to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. it'll be, it'll be nice for them to come up and, um, I'm looking forward to like, taking up i mean i would say dave you know my partner boyfriend uh he and i neither one of us are like necessarily what you would think of as like outdoors people (laughs) so we're looking forward to trying to embrace that right Mm. and and hike and you know all that stuff (laughs) but being here i don't think you're gonna have a choice (laughs) yeah locked in a tiny apartment for the last 11 years does not make one necessarily the most uh fluent in you know outdoor sports Uh, the great outdoors. So, the great outdoors. So yeah. we're super excited about that. Yeah. Um, um, before we let you go, I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that SPE conference okay. that you went to. And that was w- also with Adam Bell, who's here at yes. SBA, right? So, okay. So funny thing about SPE. So I'm listed as going. However, I <laughs> gave birth. I actually oh, had oh. My, my daughter was uh, five weeks premature. Oh. So I was in the hospital. <laughs> literally like giving birth um i had already given birth when that happened so i couldn't go and and initially we we had um got our panel got accepted and it was with um adam bell zach nader and annie laurie erickson but you were i guess you were involved in the whole planning and producing of the whole yes. of the uh, yeah so zach and and we actually had conceived this with another uh photographer uh jared ragland uh, we had been talking about getting a panel together for SP and we had, I think we proposed it the year before and did not get in. And then, um, the next year we, you know, this year, last year we actually got in. Um, and so the idea of the panel was we were all sort of interested in, um, the ways that images were being used, um, and treated. So images treated in a more 3D kind of way, which was something I was personally interested in. And we were looking, or somebody like Lucas Blaylock, like the way that he makes images. So it's sort of this deviation or straying away from, you know, taking an image and printing that image. So, uh, and, and actually uh, Charlotte Cotton's book, Photography is Magic, right, mm-hmm. that came out. So that was sort of in a similar line. Um, we, uh, we joked actually when we were putting this together that we were talking about photography post magic, (laughs) post magic (laughs) photography, which is like sort of our joke about it. But, um, yeah. And I think that that trend, uh, I mean, I still see it. I don't know if you guys see it with your students. Uh, I think that the relationship to photography is just so much different now. Um, I, I mean, I feel it in my own work. I've always had interest, like we talked about of other material and I, I like, you know, doing things with my hands. I like incorporating other materials and I like working with physical objects in space. But I, I feel like um, if you look at like Letha Wilson's work it was somebody we had talked about. Um, she uses concrete and images in her work. Uh, Marlo Pascal, who's another one. Uh, she shows at uh, Casey Kaplan, I believe. And if you guys have not seen her work, it's uh, like black and white. Uh, oftentimes I think um, 
like archival or found images uh, where she'll like, you know, be like an image of a woman's head and then like a seashell laid on her ear. So these uh, sort of really kind of elegant sculptural interventions into an image. Uh, that was where I was interested in going and talking about in that panel. Uh, we also, I think, talked a bit about uh, Clement Valla's work, uh, I think, was addressed in that. And his work is, uh, he did some of the stuff with, like, Google Images where he were finding, like, the the distortion and, like, the bridges would look bent. Oh, yeah, yeah. That work. Um, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, Google Earth. Yeah, where, yeah Google Earth. Yeah. They're yeah, Google Earth. All, yeah, not yeah. Google Images. So, so, yeah, so all of this stuff was trying to SPEs tend to be kind of traditional, you know, and we were wanting to talk about all this work that we are fans of and um, influenced by. And uh, yeah, so I I think it went off without a hitch. I I was obviously otherwise engaged. Um, I I just think one of the things that ties back into a lot of stuff you've been talking about over the course, and maybe it's from your 11 years here is that, and that uh, article for L magazine L as in L train, not the L, L. Not, right. yeah, <laughs> not E-L-L-E. Uh, not fancy, yeah. Is um, an interest in education and talking, you know, and being not just, oh, I'm going to go teach a class, but uh, just the arts education in general, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's something, I think it's just sort of part of who I am. I feel mm-hmm. the most natural when I'm teaching, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I, I get very invested and... Um, and even, I mean, teaching in some cases the same, like colloquia I've taught now, geez, it's got to be 10, almost 10, 8 to 10 years of it, or, you know, over and over and over again and never getting sick of it, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I mean, I'm lucky in that, you know, given the curriculum here and I think hopefully in the future, I'm the type of person who rewrites my class every year. So, because I, I do talk, I show a lot of contemporary examples. So I'm constantly trying to tie it to something that's happening now or like a news story I read or something because I, I just, I mean, some of it is for me, you, you know, it keeps it fresh for me and I, it keeps me excited. But I also think that students, when I was an undergrad, I felt a very distinct lack of um, attention to contemporary work. And that was something that I felt really bewildered by and confused about for a very long time. And, and then, you know, living here is easy because you can just kind of run around and do stuff. And now, you know, obviously there's programs like this and, and you know, other like Art News or, you know, Art F City and blogs that you can read about. But even then, I don't know that students necessarily know where to look for that. Mm-hmm. So I try to like be some kind of link to that. Um, and I hope leaving New York, one of the projects that... Uh, I hope to continue with or or take even further is how to bring um, all the opportunity that's afforded somebody living here to outside of this location. I mean, I think that's still a real problem with like gallery and museum shows. You know, there are people that cannot come here to see the biennial, you know, and what's online is pretty held back. And I, I just I have such a problem with that. Um, and I understand ticket sales and all that jazz. But I but at the same time, um, you know, I think what it was like living in the Midwest, you know, wanting, being really hungry for this kind of stuff and, and not being able to get to it. Uh, yeah. So, 
So anyway, so a project I'd had, um, and I registered the domain name, and I haven't done anything yet. <laughs> it's called newmoon.life. <laughs> and uh, what I foresee it being a sort of online residency. And so what um, I hope to do is invite artists to come and do a project online. So kind of like what I do in Pictures in Space. Uh, it, it's not a portfolio. Like, I don't want a picture that you took and just put on a website. I want a project that's conceived in internet space for whatever reason that is and then I would help them with the technical part so it would be like a residency but also you get me or you know I have some other people who are interested in programming um, to help you realize this vision and it's sort of like there's a site called parallelograms it's kind of similar they do something like that um, so they would make the work, it would stay on the site. And then the new moon part is that every new moon, it will change. And then the work just eventually fades off. So it doesn't really provide like an archive, like it'll actually get like 50% more transparent, hmm. you know? And so after like three cycles or something, it just kind of fades away. Hmm. Uh, and that's just kind of a design thing. I just thought, I was like, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> like if that did that. <laughs> um, ephemera ephemera yeah. online right? yeah 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 but not dead links right exactly yeah they just kind of fade away you know uh, you asked earlier um what we were seeing in, in, with our students with emerging photography yeah. things like that or visual art and uh you know, I, I teach community college, so it's all first year, second year. So the, it's a lot of basic photography, you know, starting out and all. But I, I have this um, interesting phenomenon going on in my Digital Photo 2 class, which is I have about five students who are working on the same kind of uh, idea about themselves feeling kind of repressed and unable to express themselves mm. and um, expressing themselves uh, through other people in their photographs as states and emotions. Uh, one, one, one of my students is doing seven deadly sins and, and things like that. And I, I'm not sure what, what's happening there, but it's an interesting phenomenon to have uh, so many uh, in just one class working on that. Are they all um, American students? Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, African-American, I believe one LGBT student and three women. Yeah. Oh, so maybe like the age of the selfie is, is starting yes. to come to an end, right? That's, that's fascinating. <laughs> mm -hmm. that's I mean, I love that about teaching too, is like, it's just, you know, you see, you guys see it as educators, like, you know, you can see the, the trends and you can sort of see what people are grappling with. We always joke when we do admissions, uh, you know, we get like gobs of applications to go through. There's so many, but you start to see patterns. Like, you'll, like, I mean, we'll see like seven images with like, like a half-eaten sandwich. I mean, sometimes it's like that ridiculous, but sometimes yeah, it's like half, more than half of our por of the portfolios are black and white. We're like, why is everybody so into black and white? Or, you know, and they're across the world. There's someone in China and someone in like North Dakota all applying, like using similar things. It's fascinating, like a zeitgeist sort we've of thing. Never yeah. had, we've never had a year since I've been doing admissions at Columbia where someone hasn't had something with an animal head. Oh, oh really? wow! Yeah, like usually, I mean, like a stuffed, you know, f even yeah. fake, but like an animal head on a body. So yeah. you know, like, of huh. course, often it's you know, like some uh, attractive young woman, woman. out in Always, the, out yeah. in the yeah. woods with right. uh, half a head yes. or whatever. Yes. You know, like yes. okay. And then the yes. other one is wrapping with the body in saran wrap or something like that. Sure. Like every every year. time yeah. without fail. Yeah. Like it's it's a thing. It's a right. real thing. <laughs> and then uh. of course after the Vivian Meyer documentary came out, there was a lot of like square format kind of Vivian Meyer looking stuff. Sure. You see the you know things. You mean Mior? Yes, Mior. <laughs> I think. Yeah. That, was oh, our, that? that was from our April Fools episode. Yeah. Oh, you pronounced it Mior. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, yeah. amazing. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is so good. <laughs> Maybe oh, if I can get anyone to do that, it'll I be know. worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, one other thing I saw that you were involved in is um, uh, the Wasaic Project. Yes. yes. Yeah, oh, so I would love to talk about the Wasaic Project. Yeah, They're like, wonderful. Um, it's run by um, Eve Biddle, Bowie Zunino, and Jeff Burnett Winsby. Uh, Jeff is also a those photographer. Those are all great names, by the yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they, I mean, what they do up there is incredible. Uh, so I've, I've been involved with them, not from the very beginning, but from pretty early on. Um, and it's I, a residency? It's, or? A, it's a residency, but it's also an exhibition space. I mean, they've just expanded it to like... It's just, I don't even know what to call it at this point. Like when I first went, it was just a summer festival where it would be art and then bands. And then they, they, they basically renovated this old mill and this barn. And the, the mill itself has become an exhibition space. It's like seven stories high or something. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but it's really tall. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and they, I mean, they've like literally be- rebuilt it. You know, Jeff did a, a ton of work on it. All of them did tons of work on it. And um, they, so they started with the festival and then it just started expanding. Like, why not have a residency? So they started having a residency. Now they have community outreach programs where they, they have an education position where they work with local high schools to put a, a, a former student here, alumni uh, named Lizito. Actually, I think she did a, a movie with the teens that's going to happen. They're going to screen it this weekend. Uh, it, it's it's amazing. I, I have to say, if any if you get a chance to go up there and interact with them in any way, it's definitely worth it. I'd actually love to go up there and record a little. You oh, that would, I yeah. can easily put you in touch with them. In fact, Jeff and Boy are going to come and be guest critics in my class. Well, e- and Eve Biddle was just down here for Lucas Thorpe's yeah. panel. Yeah, talk. she lives yeah. in Park Slope, but I mean, even or yeah. uh, Jeff and Bowie, uh, they're they're married. Uh, they. They are between here and Mosaic, so they're they're mm. often in town. And uh, but they what they do is is really, uh, you know, I hope we see more like this, and I think you will. I think you know there are little residencies popping up. The Vermont Art Center too has really come into its own. But they, I mean, it's just like sheer force of will and mm. so much hard work. Uh, they had me. I made a screen print which was really fun uh, over the summer. They had me in as their print fellow or w- to print with their print fellow. And then I had some work in their show. So, but they're great. And I have to say too, they, they really work well with their artists. They work hard to get your work in front of collectors. They bring in lots of critics, like going to residency there. I think they sort of match because the kind of stuff you get at LMCC or like, you know, I know Skowhegan is a big one, but it's, it's, you know, you don't necessarily have to be there. It's, like you know with Skowhegan you have to be yeah, there the full time, the time yeah. uh, they're, they're a little more practical uh, so you could live here and go up I think like four days a week or three days a week you know they, they really understand I, if I remember correctly from the, the talk they, they were very family friendly yes right. you can yeah. take your kids you yeah. can take a dog you can I mean it's it's lovely it's, and it's beautiful up there um, and they've really secured a lot of houses and yeah, it's great. It's it's wonderful. And yeah, it sounds wonderful. Yeah, mm-hmm. apply. You should do it. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Or at least talk to them. At least yeah. meet them. Uh, one of your projects uh, that also doesn't have a description, so I'm going to ask you about That's all right. I just I figured like needle, needle, another needle. <laughs> it's called From Hand to Eye. Right? Oh, yeah. And uh, it's 
It's like a frustrated Ken Burns effect or something. I was trying to figure out like, what am I looking at here? What's yeah. going on? Because it's it, it seems like a still image, but then it's moving it, it around. It jitters a little, yeah. right? Yeah. So that is like weird. I don't even know what to call that. If I would call it a performance piece in a way, I uh, I got obsessed. I thought it was a few years old. I got obsessed with uh, the hand of the photographer. Right? Everyone talks about the photographer's eye. And, and more so maybe the videographer. But I thought about like, what about the hand? Like, you know, if, like how often do you think about the body of the photographer or the body of the person behind the camera? That I got really kind of obsessed with that idea. And so what I started doing was, uh, and actually Jeremy Bailey has a piece that's uh, influential to me where he, I think it's Jeremy Bailey, he holds a camera out and he's filming himself for as long as he can and his oh. arm starts to shake and it's of him, you know, it's very performative based. And so, but I was like thinking about that like duration thing. And, but I started thinking about, well, what if, you know, what if I'm just started photographing still images and it wasn't about duration at all. It's just me trying to hold as still as I possibly can. Um, and like thinking about when uh, you go somewhere and you're like videotaping and also like, you know, like the way maybe your mom or someone uses a camera and you know, that idea of the like, roller coaster, uh, yeah, video, exactly. family video, right? Yeah, It's like this and, and trying to be steady and, and thinking a lot about how I, how I hold my body. You know, there was that whole thing. I remember being taught in undergrad in a video class, like to do, pans you actually twist yourself first mm -hmm. to the position that you want and then untwist to do your pan as opposed to going into a twist so that's the kind of stuff i was thinking about so i have a i have tons of those right i filmed all these um is that a video technique that that pan yeah, technique oh, yeah you I kind of wind yourself up and then unwind and then unwind and oh, yeah, supposedly it makes a smoother pan um, so with that, I was like holding my body, you know, as, as still as I possibly could. And uh, a lot of times uh, in some of the footage, I have many of them. I think the landscape is the most successful, that landscape image, um, because I like that it sort of harkens back to tourism or trying to capture something and, and this this this. Pretty action seen. of the body yeah. to to something you're seeing mm. but i have other ones or i have one of michael jack a picture of michael jackson's glow yeah, i think that's, that's on there the too one that's online. the other one yeah, i like yeah that's the one yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> and so it becomes this really magical but you can kind of see my breath like if you watch it it's actually like my breath oh like i'm like breathing breathing and breathing out yeah uh, moving I'm up breathing. and moving down yeah. and so right. i'm not i don't do anything to it i leave it natural it's just as is you know um so i yeah i spend i don't know I right so months. so it's a kind of that yeah it's the it's the sparkly uh, michael jackson glove and it's it's sort of floating in space yeah so it feels like it's levitating right it becomes so i yeah. have all these like weird levitating i've loved objects um i've like some birds i did some bird pieces you know, with that, using that technique and just, I really enjoyed that, like just still as I could possibly be. Huh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been fantastic. And yeah. I, I know you have to teach. So but oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank oh, you no, guys. We're, we're, I think we're good on time. We're okay. good on time. Yeah. 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 Thank you. This is super fun. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I mean, good luck in your future career and, uh, yeah. you know, invite us up. I was just going to say, yeah. I would love to have you guys up there and they have, um, they actually have an amazing, uh, I don't know if we'll put this, maybe don't put this on, oh, I guess you could put it on there, but they have this digital, uh, liberal arts initiative that I, I don't know a lot about. I've just been reading about, um, that's like uh, they do projects with faculty to think about like 
you know, broadcasting or how you present stories in different ways, you know? And so that may be, I mean, maybe you guys sure. have like some, you know, I, I don't know how, I think it goes beyond just like faculty. It's, it's interesting. So yeah. they have a lot of projects uh, going on. So, but yeah. I'll definitely invite, that's why I told everyone, yeah. come, yeah. come visit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Bye everyone.